if there's an opportunity in darkness, in light, right? If, if you see some space, take it up and put yourself there because you don't know what's going to come from it until you start working towards it. And, and find those people who have the similar passions because they will be your strongest advocate and your harshest critic. But it, it helps us to build this society where opportunities for, for health and happiness and wellness are, are uh, more prominent, more apparent, and, and more easily uh, connected with. This is Maestro on the Mic. A podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro, and you're about to get maestro Three, two. Hey friends, Maestro here and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today I have with me a guest who is quite different than like pretty much any other guest that I brought on the show. He is currently an urban parks manager. He has a background in environmental studies and anthropology with a focus on how we humans, terrible, have affected our planet for our own personal Gain. His birthday is on Christmas. I have known him for his entire life, and he just happens to be my brother. Without further ado, welcome to the show, Justin Patrick Dennis. Yes, we have different names. Welcome to 2020. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Uh, I've been talking about this for a while. It's good to be able to finally do it. So I'm going to pass the mic right on over because for the past... 27 years I've done all the talking anyway so I'll pass the mic right over why don't you tell the folks whatever you want to tell them about them but tell them about yourself who you are what you do what you're interested in cool yeah so uh as you mentioned you know urban parks manager I work for a land trust in New Jersey uh land trust for those you know who don't know is uh essentially an organization that protects preserves enhances natural resources for people for plants for animals for water whatever uh, environmental services you can think of. Um, I work for a very prestigious land trust in New Jersey and uh, currently work in Camden. Uh, for those who have not heard of Camden, uh, is a very socioeconomically challenged city. I like that. Yeah, you know, it's tough. Um, Camden's Camden's down on its luck and has been for a while, but you're seeing the turnaround now. Um, but there's things like, you know, lead in water and um, access to, to parks and open spaces is, is fairly limited by comparison to other cities of similar scale. Um, and then there's obviously the uh, crime and, and uh, education issues that, that come along with systematic disenfranchisement of entire mm -hmm. cities, right? Um, so yeah, but as you mentioned, I got into this uh, through the environmental studies and anthropology lens. I went to college for forest health and really focused on invasive ecology. So I actually don't really have a background in this specifically, uh, but at its core, urban environmental management, urban parks, community conservation, whatever you want to call it, is, is a people business. It's about connecting with people, uh, responding to need, and, and servicing how you can based on the skills and assets that you have, which is the best part of what I do, um, right? So we offer things like paddles and, and kayaking and biking, and we do tree plantings, neighborhood cleanups, you name it. Uh, we've had movie nights. We do stuff with... Barbecues and cooking, it, it really ranges, um, as you can imagine, a city 
that's about 45% black, 45% Latino, the other 10% is wow. awash, but um, you can tell the types of activities that, that would be attractive mm -hmm. to those audiences versus what we think of in the environmental world, um, which is a typically white, pale and male is what we call it. That's, that's what's shown societally, right? Um, I, I went to school actually pre-med, so just like you. Uh, I didn't make it past Orgo. That's where we, <laughs> that's where we differ. Uh, and and oh, it was awful. But at that same time, I, I was also on, uh, I was going through a court process because of an arrest, a drug arrest that I had uh, my freshman year of college and was sort of figuring out what types of, uh, what types of things I needed to do to reinvent myself as a person, but also be a, a better contributor to society, right? And that started through the lens of managing invasive plants as part of community service that I had to do. Uh, From there, I, I met my former college advisor. I realized I was good at this. It was something I was naturally talented in, which made sense. I had been doing private landscaping for you know older folks uh, pretty much since ninth grade at that point. So about five or six years had been doing this plant type stuff uh, and, and knew how to work hard um, at that point because of all the work I had been doing. But Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine I'd be doing urban work. I actually specifically got into this to not deal with people. <laughs> and look at where you're at. I know, I know. Uh, you know, I, I joke around. Um, I think a lot of people get into this for tree hugging, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's what, what you hear. That's what I would think, yeah, totally. But what you realize once you start doing it is that, like, hugging healthy children is way more important, right? And you don't get that when you're dealing with plants. Um, you don't see the light turn on. You got don't see it. the smile. You don't see the thank yous and the appreciation for something that's deeply impactful, Um and hopefully those experiences that we, we help provide carry them through and, and really provide an opportunity for them to um, appreciate what they are able to do, right, as an individual, um, but also provide sort of that connection. Every time you go past a tree you plant, it's like, I did that, yeah. right? And that's amazing. When you see it 10, 15, 20 years down the line, you go back and visit and, and you recognize that you can have a huge impact that lasts beyond sort of your immediate action uh, that we all need to take. So if we, what exactly, if you were to summarize, and I'm selfishly asking you this so that I can say this when people ask me, well, what does he actually do? If you were to summarize what you do right now in like two sentences, what is it? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I am a community conservation professional that works at the intersection of urban environmentalism and equity-centered conservation. I like that. Right. So you folks listening, you see how this episode, coming on the heels of like all the other episodes that I've been doing since racism hit, uh, is quite apropos. Uh, Justin and I have been talking about this for a bit, and when everything started happening and coming to light, you know, the Great Awakening was starting, I was just, you know, talking to Justin, and he, he sent me a bunch of resources, and he was like, yes, I've been doing this. This is like what my work is. And I was like, I thought you cleaned up trees <laughs> and, and rivers i like, actually have no idea so part of me asking that and i definitely still can't regurgitate that but i could still go back and listen to the podcast and give you that but we see how there's so much there's so much crossover between what has been going on or what's been being brought to our attention that's been going on forever but what's been been brought to our attention uh and i wanted to bring him on not just to talk about that because it's been actually a few I don't know, a few weeks, two months since since we first had the discussion. But also because to me right now within, we also have the great pause going on, right? So we have Rona's here and people have stopped and they're going outside more and they're spending more time with their family. And 
I think people are also now realizing the importance of that and the importance of the ability to go outside. And so like, you know, where I live uh, in, in SoCal, it was a big hit for for them to close the, the trails. And right now the parks are like kind of open now, but like the, the jungle gym things aren't <laughs> open, but like the rest of it's open. But they closed the beaches and they closed the parks and it was like really like eye-opening for people. You know, it's one thing it was like just a week of it happening, but it went on for a bit. And so, yeah, you have the one side of just like, it, it feels some kind of way because you're being controlled. But then there was like, oh my gosh, if I don't have access to this, this is why I lived here. And then maybe, hopefully, you start thinking when racism hits, what about people who never have access to this? Mm-hmm. What about people that this is like just not even a, like, this is not even an option. This is not even a thing. And I was like, well, I'm going to bring Justin on and we're going to talk about this. So before we hop into more, Justin, can you just back up for a second? You said that you were managing invasive species as part of community service. Right. What the heck? What was that? Right. So, so I went to Drew University. It's a small liberal arts college in New Jersey that is um, particularly punitive for drug charges. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my, the scale of the drug charges I had uh, would typically require expulsion. Uh, I don't actually really know how I didn't get expelled. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just like, uh, when they asked me to come in, I was like, nah, <laughs> you know, it's a pending legal case, I, you know, and that's not something yeah. they would normally bite on. But um, anyway, from that, uh, I had a, you know, quote unquote punishment, which was uh, delivered through going to the forest preserve at Drew. There's about Interesting. Uh, maybe 12 or 15 huh. acres, I think, that's been protected with a deer exclosure fence. That's so that deer can't get in and eat the native plants. They don't eat invasive plants. Um, there's a, a really, uh, it's a ubiquitous plant on the East Coast. I'm not sure about it out here, but it's called still grass. And it just takes over whole entire swaths of forest. And it really just, t- it terrorizes the understory. Huh. It's a biological sink. Um, and that's, re- it's a very difficult thing to deal with. The seedbed is very persistent in soils. And I actually figured out through various types of layering and experimental plots how to address that. Um, so I, I went into that through a, a friend that was in charge of that program. He was a senior at the time. And, um, from there, it just, it, it just kept going. I realized how much I loved, wild. yeah, how much I, and that's, and that's the thing is, you know, I went pre-med and I think looking back, it was me trying to provide some of what you're talking about, right? Like this, this opportunity for health and, and oh. for, and I'm sure that there was some portion of me that was like, I'm going to do what Shante's <laughs> doing. Uh, jokes, everyone. I didn't, <laughs> but, but what you're saying is, is exactly true, right? It's that, that wellness factor of, of having these spaces yeah. and it speaks to, to the types of health issues that people face in these types of cities. So it's not just that people don't have access, right? It's that access was not, uh, not just not there. It was systematically pulled away, mm-hmm. right? Through industrialization. Mm-hmm. And now we're mm-hmm. in this post-industrial era um, where there's still some operations that go on in the city, but a lot of these places have been um, demolished and turned into, into parks. There was a prison, for example, in Camden, a waterfront prison where it was like a running joke where people would, uh, you know, have to pay $3 million to get a view of the water on the Philly side. And all they had to do was steal something from a grocery <laughs> store to get it on the Camden uh, side, right? That was demolished and turned into a park because people demanded yeah. it. So you see this, and, and, and it's never been more prominent than it is now. Um, we've seen, you know, record usage at our preserves. Um, Just amazing. And, and people, you know, in Camden uh, who don't necessarily have access to these open spaces that you're talking about, um, when those few th- spots were pulled away, 
people that don't have access to necessarily air conditioning or that don't have trees on their block and Mm -hmm. that have poor air quality. It's a hot, you know, a hot spot, a heat sink. Um, it, 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 the gravity of the situation is, is much heavier. Right. Um, so that's really where, where we operate. That's what my work centers on is how can we mitigate those historic issues, um, through the lens of, of community centered conservation. So we will listen to people and what they want to do and try to implement those programs, right? So we hear a lot about fishing and water access, kayaking, all of that fishing. stuff. Yeah, it's a new thing for us. We don't have a fishing program fishing. at my organization, um, but there's a wide uh, ranging angler population in Camden that are often not legitimate. Yeah. They don't have licensing. They don't have uh, safe access, right, to fish. They can't eat the fish necessarily. I was like, that's there. Like, can you eat the fish? We don't recommend it. That was we like don't <laughs> recommend it. No, we don't my recommend head. it. I was like, Ugh. But, there, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an angling professional, so I don't want to speak, and I'm sure that if someone's out there listening, they're like, no, you can eat this specific uh, type during one week of I'm the year. I'm imagining from The Simpsons, that episode where, like, the fish the came fish up with, yes, with multiple yes, eyes, and yes. I'm like... No. So we, we don't encourage that, but there's some migratory fish. You know, there's anglers <laughs> who have been doing this for 50 years, right, in Camden, and um, they've been eating these migratory fish for a long time, but, but fish presence is an indicator of water health and of mm-hmm. water quality, right? Yeah. And, and that's, that's been the most amazing thing for me is seeing uh, how those natural resource improvements directly impact communities, because that's really the core of what environmental work is. It's like, we talk about it for plants and for animals, but there's 7 billion people on this planet, mm-hmm. right? We've got to figure out how to take care of ourselves too. Um, and we haven't been doing that for the, the last 150 or so years. I'm trying to decide which direction I want to go in, but I kind of want to ask this before I forget it. So you folks listening, if you, if you see his picture, if you like looked at the episode um, artwork, or if you saw the little, um, what is it? I almost said Enneagram, the audiogram on Instagram, you'll see... He doesn't look like me. So Justin is, we'll say, white presenting, white passing. Um, and I would love for you to talk about how, just because it's really sticking in my mind that, like, you had these charges. You said it's a particularly punitive school for drug charges. You weren't expelled. And then somehow you, you were in a program that was removing invasive species. Do you think how you look helped out, played a role? Like, if you were a black man... Would that have been different? Right, right. Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know that the school. I'm not. To, this is not to say that Drew doesn't have its mm-hmm. its yeah. issues, right? Um, I don't know that that was actually necessarily something that factored in at Drew. Um, I think that the person who decided what punishments got handed out at the time, he really liked me. Gotcha. I'll, I'll put that yeah. out there. Relationships is a big right, thing. and he's a really nice guy. And yeah. he, but you also have to be able to see potential in people, mm-hmm. right? And and that's the thing is like there's there's a seed that you can see in some people where it's like we shouldn't put them in a position uh, where they can't thrive. Mm-hmm. That might be different for a black person. So that like I don't know that that happened in that situation specifically. I do know that my charges uh, at the legal level, I definitely benefited from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not uh, being black. No. Not being darker skinned, yeah. even it's yeah. not just a, a thing of being black. It's not, you know I am white passing, yes. but I am also half Puerto Rican. So yes. I could have come out on the bad side, right? Of mm-hmm. the bad side, quote unquote, yeah. of like being dark and having an accent and yeah. uh, not having great English, and that would have made a huge it's difference. Wild when you think about yeah, it. no, it's absolutely. So wild when you think about um, it. And that's a lot of a lot of what we do too. Is is uh, you know thinking about my experiences and and how I can contribute. Um, there's programs right where there's people who are down on their luck, whether that is 
related to housing, whether that's related to having a child when they weren't ready, whether that's a criminal history thing. So I, I try to work with those folks um, to use green jobs realignment as a way to do job training and, and to get people back into the workforce who might otherwise Love not it. have had the opportunity. So I'm not the director of that program. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I don't have that capacity uh, right now, but it's one of my favorite things that I do. Yeah. And it, it might never directly impact someone, right? Uh, but it's it's an opportunity just to put out there that there's different ways of approaching things. Uh. And, and that's especially important as we're looking you know, we're in 2020 now, right? We think about where our country's going to be in 30 years in terms of our demographics. We need people that yeah. don't look like me to be in this field. It doesn't need to be the tie-dye, the REI buyers. It needs to be people who are in their communities dealing with these burdens every day who are able to speak the language and, and not just the, the literal verbal language, right? But recognize the, the weight of what people are dealing with just to go to work every day or, or totally. just to feed their, their families. Totally. I, I wanted to bring that up, namely because one, they can't see you. Uh, but two, I think it's it's so important. You know, I saw a, a meme. Of course, my life is like in terms of memes and like things on social media. I saw a meme and it, kept, it, was, it was like a, a, a picture of a, a tweet or whatever, something like that. And just this idea that in this in the battles and such that we're facing right now, it takes all kinds. That It takes the people that are gonna be marching, it takes people that, that want to read, it takes the people that like wanna be really vocal about things. We need all different kinds in order to move things forward. And for me, in, in terms of talking to you and actually realizing, starting to realize what you did, um, when all this start was you know first popping off, I was just like, this is so important to hear from a white, white presenting, white passing male, but what, he sees and what is he what's he what he is doing and and how he's using his position like we all need to use the the positions that we have and the uh, the privileges that we have uh, i don't think we need to but it'd be ideal if we if we use them to help move things forward and so you know all the stuff you sent me and then like, i'm starting to really see what you're doing and i'm like man this is just this is remarkable so I, I, that was the reason i wanted to bring that up but right. we'll go back into the other thing that i wanted to ask right. which was that you said but before I, I, I moved us forward, which is this kind of, from what I'm hearing, this kind of chicken or the egg kind of thing of like elevating a society, but also improving their resources and like which can come first, which can be more helpful. And I don't want it to be a binary or a dichotomy and like, oh, which one, like this is one or this one. But it was really interesting to me the way that you said that of like when, you know, we provide access to this, what can happen um, based on the stuff that you've been doing in your experience. Could you just speak to that a little bit more of like, Hey, when we, you know, I know you've done like amazing bike rides with people and you do all this stuff. Like I see you paddling all the time. It's like fucking raining. And I'm like, this guy's out of the <laughs> fucking water again. Like, what does that mean for a community? How does that help that community? Right. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's tough. And, and I don't even know that I can speak fully to it. I, I see what I see and I experience what I experience. And that's just that, um, there is no way around the fact that everyone should have equal access to resources, mm -hmm. right? That's like a baseline mm -hmm. fundamental component uh, of being a human, right? Um, so what we're really actually working towards in, in this situation specifically is just getting people back to baseline, right? Getting people mm -hmm. to a place where they have an easier time thriving, right? It doesn't necessarily need to be these these wild experiences of like mm -hmm. we're camping for a week and, and yeah. there's no cell phone service. It might be that like someone asks if they can grill in our parking lot because they just need a couple of hours with their family out of the house 
Um, when you don't have yeah. a backyard, yeah. parks are your backyard, right? Yes. And, and we need to treat them in ways that are reflective of people's homes because that's how you get people interested in this stuff. And there's a whole entire other world of like the attitude behavior disconnect, right? Like you can have the attitude and the knowledge and it doesn't necessarily lead mm -hmm. to the behavior mm -hmm. change, mm -hmm. but you still need that attitude and knowledge to get yeah. even close Absolutely. to that, right? So that's really what we're trying to do Absolutely. is create a sense of urgency through recreation and education that hopefully connects people to these resources in a deeper way. And I can just put an anecdote out there. There's a woman that we met a couple of years ago, as you mentioned, I, you know, we offer these paddles and um, the Cooper River in Camden is a tidal river. There's combined sewer outfalls. You know, that's an old infrastructure framework that basically combined the stormwater sewers and the sewage sewers. And typically it works fine, but in rain events, that sewage will overflow into these waterways. I love how you just said, it works fine. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, how typically, the fuck does that typically, work fine? typically, it doesn't always work <laughs> like, fine. What? what? Right? So we don't lead, we don't lead paddles when people, okay. uh, with, with residents when there's sewage and that kind of stuff. That's, it's dangerous, right? I had to get hepatitis shots for any doctors out there. I don't know. I, I was already in there. I had this like flesh eating cut on my leg at one point in the last like six months. Uh, that is not safe for people to go into, right? So how can you how can you use opportunities like that uh, to inspire people to care more deeply about those topics in addition to the priorities that they're facing yes, of exactly. race issues yeah. of Life. Uh, disproportionate impacts from health burdens? How do we put this into context so that we see the connections to those things through the lens of environment? And that's not just in an effort to, to build up Camden's environmental situation, right? Um, that's in an effort to change the face of conservation. That's what I was mentioning, right? So we, we don't, we understand that it's important to have a variety of birds and bugs and fish and everything, right? Diversity, you say, is the spice of life, right? I say it's the critical component yeah. that we need to survive, yeah. right? Why do we not think about that the same way with humans in the workforce, right? We are better off Absolutely. when we have more diverse opinions, and that's diverse backgrounds, that's diverse experiences, lived experiences, professionals, whatever. Um, so that's a, a, a large impetus for, for the work that we do is like, how can we use this as a catalyst for deeper change that's longer lasting outside of our immediate action? Can you speak more to that? And so in terms of creating deeper change, can you do deeper change in the uh, community, in from the, like... I don't know, policies that are get implemented? Like, what, what do you mean by deeper change and how right. did you do that? Right. Well, it's, it's all of it. It's all of it. So, um, I, you know, I'll start from sort of the lower level, right? We, we think about uh, green job training, workforce development. That's one of our, our major priorities. So um, we participate in a program through a coalition I'm involved with that specifically is seeking to deepen its commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And in order to do that, we had to think really critically about the gaps and, and the uh, previous failings of how people hired and why, they, why people were hired, right? So we're getting towards a skills-based approach, right, mm -hmm. instead of thinking about experiences. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, so that's just one thing. And that's specifically tailored to meet the needs of 18 to 24-year-olds who might not have the formal environmental education background or whatever it might be but are interested in healthy, livable communities. And we do that through really authentic engagement, right? So like two of these, of the three Camden 
cohort fellows. There's a group that's working together because of COVID. We couldn't house and we didn't feel comfortable. A partner organization was very accommodating and helping us out with that. Um, two of those individuals, there's three young folks, uh, two of them directly elevated through programs that we hosted. One mm. was a tree planting and one mm -hmm. was a invasive species removal day. And just by having those events, yeah. we were able to find someone who's interested in this type of stuff. And one is a biology student and one is a art, uh, an artist. She's not even a student, right? Uh, not in the literal, the formal sense, right? Uh, so just seeing both of them and their varying assets, their varying backgrounds, and seeing how we can bring that together in a way that is meaningful for residents because they're seeing a resident yep. of their community in a position to impact change. And that alone, you can't even speak to the importance of seeing someone like you in oh positions of, of power. Oh, my goodness. Right? Yes. So that's like a whole other episode. There's mm -hmm. someone out there who's an expert on that. Find them. Mm -hmm. If you're listening, call Shante. Uh, <laughs> but, but it's really, you know, I'm not expecting any of the young people that we work with. I say young. I'm 27, so I'm young, but mm -hmm. they're just younger than me. Mm -hmm. uh, any of the youth that we work with, I'm not expecting them to be me in this field, yeah. right? If they're an artist, if they go on to be a doctor, if they go on to be a store cashier, it doesn't matter, right? You can take these environmental lessons, these sustainable practices with you to any field, right? So, and you can, you can uh, impact change through that mm -hmm. lens. So, right, that might mean trying to get your grocery store away from single-use plastics. Mm -hmm. Or um, if you're an artist, that might be using sustainably sourced materials, right? There's a whole range of possibilities of how that can manifest, and I don't want to hypothec hypothecate, right? Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's really through that lens. So that's just one, one aspect of it. But um, at the deeper level, right, at the, at the higher level, rather, um, it's thinking about things like realigning our hiring policies yep. and, and who we're looking for and why we're looking for them, what we value. The environmental field, uh, for those who don't know, is very white. It's steeped in racism, right? We think about these, these legends, right? Like the Mount Rushmore, quote unquote, of the environmental world is like people who spoke really awfully about black people and were directly against indigenous people and did really awful things to these mm. groups, right? That's where we started. And then we, through the civil rights movement, Right. That's really where this environmental movement was born from is, is black people rising up in the 60s and 70s and being like enough. Right. From there, the modern environmental movement was born. It was mothers who were worried about stuff in their water. And it was mm -hmm. um, black people worried about their communities, the air they're breathing. And we've seen that continue to grow and, and get stronger over time. Um, the policy side is really difficult. Yeah. It's very difficult. And, and that is where privilege at the organizational level comes in, right? So it's like my organization has done a great job in New Jersey protecting a ton of land. Uh, we need to do more to beneficially impact the policy changes that will uh, really impact people of color, mm -hmm. right? And we as an organization, like if there was if there was a room full of organizations, we liken them to people like we'd be the, the tallest, whitest male in, in the room. And it's not it's not our fault right now. Right. Yeah. Like we're working towards it. And it's it's been great. It's been really great getting our staff to go through these learnings together. Um, we need to use that position. Yeah, that's it. To. That's it. Impact the communities that we're talking about right now. Right. And that's not even just necessarily saying like we need to go in and do this. It's like those issues are not a secret or a surprise to anyone who lives there. If you have a trash incinerator in your neighborhood, you know, Yeah. right? We need to listen to those voices and see what we can do to elevate them 
through a more uh, prestigious, I'll say, a more valued opinion, right? And that's what mm-hmm. you get through being mm-hmm. this organization who's done a lot of great work. So that's like taking the the white male privilege to yeah. the organizational level. Like how can you use your institutionalized understanding and your power to to impact positive change? Real talk question here. And it's so interesting as I'm listening to this and I'm going to ask more questions about just your own personal life with like your tie-dye shirts because it all ties. <laughs> it all fucking ties in and like how I used to view you, how I still view you, but how I used to view you as well. But first question, how are people in your field, maybe you personally, okay with the the pay discrepancies? Like you don't make that much money. You go it's like you don't go into this field. You're doing remarkable things. And it seems like you sometimes you're like hitting a wall. And you're not even going to see on the other end of this the financial reward. What keeps people going with this? How are you okay with that? I'm not okay with it. Okay. I'm, just, uh, I'm not okay with it. Um, people don't get into this for money. Yeah. Um, and that can come through a range of, of ways. I'm sure that I probably could have gone into business on Wall Street mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it's about it's about what you value, right? Mm-hmm. So you don't really talk about the financial stuff in college, right? No one's no, like, if you go into never. this field, you're going to make way more money because you're already in your yeah. pre-assigned major or whatever. And, and they you, don't want to tell you to leave. You've like, made a decision, <laughs> right? Like, so I'll it. say, you know, I went to the, the school I went to was small. I think we had about 400 kids in my graduating class. And I think the, big, the business major was like 40 graduates. I think we had like nine, right? So just to show you the scale, right, of of what's happening, like people chase money, right? And I don't, I don't blame them. It's a tough, a tough world to live in. I personally didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to be, Mm -hmm. right? We Mm have, we have this talk about like, what do you want to do? Not what, what do you want to be? I knew what I didn't want to do. And I didn't want to be in an office all the time. I didn't want to wear suits. I didn't want to have to kiss up, kiss Mm -hmm. ass, whatever you want to call it, uh, to my boss who is you know, the one that's in charge of my commission and all of that, I wanted to be able to be outside. Yeah. And that's really the thing is like, yes, the money is not always great, especially in the nonprofit sector. I spend about 20 days a year on a kayak for work, yeah. right? So like, it's not the best. It doesn't mm-hmm. buy you the food you need or pay for your health expenses, whatever it might be, but it provides you an opportunity that other people don't have, Right. Um, so that's really how, how I look at it. I just, I, I love what I do so much that it's never really been a thing that mm-hmm. I've questioned. I just know that we as a field need to do better. I like it. Um, but, but with that, like environment is everything. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, so it's, it. you know, mm-hmm. you could go into, into consulting for whatever yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to do. And there's some lens that can be woven into that or placed on top of it that puts environment as a priority. And for each individual person that's listening, right, that I would just like encourage you to examine what you can do personally at home and at work uh, to think about some of these topics because it's important, right? We're not going to get to where we need to be if only environmentalists are doing it. We're not going to get where we need to be with race matters if only black people are doing it, right? These are matters that impact everyone. 
Absolutely. right? It's just that when you are white, you don't feel yeah. the blackness and the oppression and systematic racism that comes with that. When you're living in rich areas, you don't feel you the feel pollution. It. Yeah. You don't smell the trash. No. You don't smell the waste, right? That's it. So that's, it's, it's very, very comparable in terms of like who's mm-hmm. doing what and why they're doing it. Black people don't want to be marching every day yeah. for 50 days. Like what are we at now? Yes. Protest. Wow. No yeah. one wants to do that. No one wants to not make money. Um, I think, I think our generation millennials are realizing, um, that that needs to change. So I don't know how it's going to look, but we're, we're trying. <laughs> I mean, I actually, I'm coming out of a lot of this with a lot of hope. And when I say this, it's, it's largely like TikTok. I'm not even going to lie. It's given me a lot of hope. It also makes me be like, what the fuck? But, um, <laughs> to see Gen Z and what they're, willing to do and like what not even what they're willing to do what they know is right and they need to do and they just do it and i'm like oh jesus this man this man came to my house don't listen don't listen i didn't do it (laughs) and in within four hours of being in my house knocked over an entire bottle of water i haven't spilled no joke you folks listen you know me i've lived here since what 2017 and i haven't spilled anything He'd been here for four hours and knocked his shit over. <laughs> and Rupert was like, that wasn't me. I did it because I was trying to pet Rupert. <laughs> so keeping in line with that, and this is what I was kind of going back before, like your values, your integrity, it's always been there, how you are. And for a long time, because I was so steeped in this like very much like capitalist, capitalistic capitalism, like white supremacy, like I was in it. And I was like, this is like, you go and you be the best and like you make money and you do this and like you care about people and you're kind, but like this is the way that you will advance the fastest. And then there was my brother, it was Justin, dancing around in tie-dye shirts. And I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? What is, and also, you know, he's not black. What's happening? (laughs) Dancing around in these tie-dye shirts and for a point in life being worried that you were going to struggle and i was like how's this guy gonna eat like what's gonna happen i'm gonna pay for this guy what's what's going on and then like watching you grow up and and make your continue to make those decisions and do your own thing and be so uh into that culture of of fest fests i should call them shows festivals festivals, concerts concerts, just music community right like this music community and traveling to do that. And you know, we had a discussion about this where like, you know, I'll spend money on whatever. And Justin was like, but I'm going to spend money on this experience. And I'm going to go and spend it on being able to go and stay in this tent. And I was like, wait, what? And <laughs> when you word it that way, it doesn't sound as great. <laughs> <laughs> but I would watch you do this. And I'm watching right now. And I look at social media. And I look at what you're doing. I look at all these things that they say. And like your community, these, these deadheads have been on it since day one. And all this stuff we're seeing, everything that's important now, everything that people are talking about, you have been saying or doing or living this whole time of inclusion, of community, of respect, of give more than you take, of sharing, of the environment. It's like always been, I see it now. It's always part of your message. But like from the beginning, I was just like, you're going to be poor and homeless. I'm really quite concerned about you. <laughs> right, uh, right. Where did that come from? Where, right. How did you even get no, into that? No, that's, that's, great. that's a great question. Uh, so for everyone out there listening, Shantae does pay for my stuff sometimes. <laughs> she bought me a bike that helped me lose a bunch of weight over lockdown, which is sweet. Uh, but um, no, no. So, uh, you know, our upbringing, right, um, you were 
raised in Summit. Yeah. Then we moved to Blairstown once mm-hmm. you graduated. And the situation that we were in was not very conducive for this type of deeper understanding of environmental stuff. And I'll put out there, I did not actually think climate change was real until I was maybe 17. And I'll, I'll tie that back directly. My ex-girlfriend in high school, her family, you know, is very into this, right? Um, Ah, Yeah. So this is, this is Izzy and and her family and, and they were, so she was really important in that aspect of just like really opening my mind that had been forcefully shut down by people in our past. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, And from there, I was invited to a, a small festival that has been a staple in my life in terms of this community, an intentional community of, of gatherers, right, called Sandy Hollow Arts and Recreation for the Environment. It happens twice a year. It's a volunteer-only um, festival, which is different from every other model of festival out there where there's paid staff. It's only about 1,500 people usually, but it's invite-only. Oh. So that automatically puts you into a position where you have to be verified and validated by someone who says, like, this person is at least nice, right? So that's, <laughs> so that's baseline, good. right? That's not to say we don't have issues within our SHARE community. We do. Oh, that's, that's a, just the acronym, SHARE. So I'll just be tossing that out there. SHARE um, happens, like I said, twice a year. And, and we, I've been seeing these changes happen there f- since I started going, right? So I'm 27. I've been going there for 10 years, which is crazy. Um, maybe longer. I don't even know. I don't even know at this point. I feel so old and so young at the same time. But that community is specifically, you know, geared towards uh, using the money, the excess funds after bans and fees and all of that stuff are paid to give small grants to environmental organizations. So that's that's one small example Mm -hmm. of how this community is focused on that type of stuff. That's not to say it's, you know, widespread and ubiquitous and whatever. Um, But those lessons, right, that care for people to give up their time to host two weekend long events a year for free speaks to how important that community is to us. Right. And then the fact that that's tied in to give back is really what inspired me to start thinking this way. And, and that's not to say I'm perfect. And you said like, I've been doing Jedi stuff for, it's been a couple of years where I've been really focused on it, but still very much in the process of learning and, and growing and changing and figuring out my own identity and how it all fits into this, right? So I don't want to put out there, this is like some, like, ah, oh, Justin's the best. It's like, no, like, I'm just doing what I have to, right, to not be a piece of shit. I mean, and yet that's so hard for certain people. Right, so. no, it's 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 crazy. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I'm, I'm going to tell all my friends to listen to this. So they will tell you, like, in college, I was such a dick about making them turn off lights, yeah. right? It's like the simplest thing that we can do, mm-hmm. right? It's just like flip that switch down. Yeah. Stop wasting electricity. And that is really what started my vocal outpouring, right, of like, you need to not do this Mm -hmm. and you need to not do this. And that's really important in this racial equity movement, right, is like you need to not be saying that language, right? So that is actually what sort of tying it all together, right? It, It started out as just like fun and then learning and then deepening and now to the point where I feel strong enough in my own voice where I can tell people like, you shouldn't be doing this mm-hmm. or you should be doing this. And and it, it's gotten to the point at a personal level, right? Um, you know, I've given up meat, yeah. right? I love meat. So everyone out there who's like contemplating giving up meat, think about why you're doing it. And if you really can, can, can commit to it because it's tough. But I felt like a jerk because I'm telling people who I work with who don't have access to the same food, mm. to the same quality water, to stop eating or to stop doing things, right? 
because it's negative for our planet. And then I'm going home and I'm eating three burgers that are 1,600 gallons of water each or whatever, right? Like, who am I to tell people how they should live if I'm not dealing with my own backyard, right? And that's that's really the biggest thing that has allowed me to really grow in the last couple of years is just like figuring out who I am and my own issues and handling those. Because once you've addressed the person in the mirror, it's much easier to look outward. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's... You folks listening, this ties into the past episodes we've been doing just of, you know, um, James Olivia's, James Olivia Chu Hillman's episode, which just really resonated with me so much. Um, We'll drop that in the show notes, but mind your business, right? It starts with yourself. I I always, it's like now I forever think of that Will Smith, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air episode, but... It starts with yourself. And I love, I love that actually what Justin just said, kind of two parts there, because the first part speaks to this idea that it takes all types. You folks know I'm, I'm not one to be like, you should do this, you should do this, or don't do this, don't do this, because I don't really give a fuck. I know I'm <laughs> going to be focusing on myself and be like, hey, uh, I, it's, it is, I'm going to just lead by example. That's what I found to work better. But it takes all types. And I do believe as someone who looks like you, I'm looking at my, at my brother right now. It is important for you to say, especially the other people who look like you, don't do that or do that. There is a time for, for you know, leading that way and actually saying that way. And like it takes all types where I'm just like, I'm going to do this stuff. And if you all want to come and do the same thing, cool. And then that was the second part you said there, which was just like, and also I am fixing and working on me first, which is phenomenal you slipped in there real quickly jedi can you say that acronym out right jedi um there's all sorts of jargon that's going around for for these race equity discussions right now jedi is justice equity diversity and inclusion i use it kind of synonymously with dei just but the justice aspect is Mm -hmm. a big a big part of it right because it's not just about equity it's not just about diversity it's not just about inclusion those things are easy but if the pay gap between black people and white people is not the same, there's no justice yeah. in that equity, diversity, and inclusion, right? So, um, the action step. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's very important to, like to tack it. that on to the front. And it's also a good acronym because people love Star yeah, Wars and exactly. whatever. It's, like it's easy it's... to catch on. Um, I'll just say, like, if you listen to sort of what I just said, right? Um, and this is what I was mentioning to you before we, we started recording today. Like, I didn't learn this because I, like, went and bought a book. Right. I learned this because there were people in my life who were incredible, who I just needed to open my mind to. Right. And, and I'm, I can source it back all the way, like I said, to, to Izzy and her family. Yeah. Um, the common theme there, it's all female. Right. Oh, yeah. So like, I'm not going to say that there's no value for being a male in this world. I'm just going to say that males need to yeah. listen to females more, period. End of story. You figure yeah. it out how that <laughs> applies to your life. If you're pissed off, I just said it, figure it out. Um, but that's the theme, and, and, and it's been wildly impactful just um, being able to listen in that way. Oh, I like that. So much of you are just tying in there, and you had said about earlier about uh, attitude and knowledge, but then it doesn't necessarily translate into behavior, but you also need that those first parts. Someone sent me a thing on Instagram today, and Summer, if you're listening to this, it was you, and you know I love you. Um, but Summer sent me this post that was basically about how anti-racist literature, um, it kind of was knocking anti-racist literature. 
And it was like, you know, it's good and these people mean well and they're probably making a good money from it now. And I hated they slid, but they kind of like this like slid that in there. Like, I'm sure they're making a good living off of it now. And I'm like, why do you have to say anything about that? Like, oh, they can eat? Great. Like, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, bravo. They worked hard and now they can eat. That's awesome. Uh, but um, I was kind of just saying like that when we do things, like when you, when you highlight certain things, that other things could fall to the wayside and like kind of becomes like a distraction. But you hit the nail on the head that like, no, tearing, bringing, tearing down a monument doesn't fix the, the history that we're being told in schools. But what's leading to this action and the awareness, the attitude, the knowledge that's being brought about by things like that, things like these books, is needed so that then we can go and be like, okay, well, now we're going to reform school and right, policy. Absolutely. I'm like, that shit ain't going to happen first. They're right. not going to be like, I'm going to rewrite the history book first. <laughs> like, take the fucking monument down. We can mm-hmm. do that. Like, and that is, it's like, I think that in and of itself, if we're looking at these conversations of supremacy culture, one of the biggest things in supremacy culture is this binary, is dichotomy, is this either or thinking. So it's like, oh, either you're just thinking about it or you're taking action. If you're, th- if you're thinking about it, you're not taking action. It's like, no, it's both and, which is exactly what you just said of like, you know, in your case, you're working on yourself and also, you know, disseminating this information. You're gaining this information, gaining this knowledge, but then also putting it into, into practice, which is why I love that JEDI acronym because it's like, yeah, we're getting this understanding, we're getting this information, and then there's the action step, right, right, which I love. Right. Love. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's true, and it, it is tough to balance um, the listening, the learning, and the talking, yeah. right? And, and so there's – but there's a couple of, of – ways to address that right and and i'm sure that people are listening to this that do this work you know professionally or are experiencing this in their own organizations and setting community guidelines is huge right so through this process this learning and listening to people who've been doing this for a very long time right step up step back right so you step Mm -hmm. up you say your part you step back you listen you call in not out right call people into the dialogue not out for their actions right Mm -hmm. and and Assuming best intentions is huge. It's big. It's, it's so huge. Big. And that's, I feel like, the it. paralyzing component of Fuck. this whole thing is that, like, we're not setting a best intention guideline for our discussion as a nation, as a planet, right? It's just, like, you can be a good person and be racist and not mm-hmm. know it, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. you, <laughs> so you need to understand if, if you're the other person on the, side of the, on the other side of that, like, it's not their best intention. They're they're coming to this with their best intentions. They might just not understand yeah. that their actions are so damaging. Yeah. Right. And that's for all of us. That's for exactly. every person ever. All around. Like yeah. I, I just it's so it's so funny. I keep coming back to like in my mind all I want to say is tie dye. It's like I feel like tie dye is just like a nice thing and it's just like it's synonymous with you. And like if I if you had like an aura and I could see it, it would be tie dye. And all the people that are <laughs> dancing around at the shows you go to would be tie dye. I just feel like it creates this, this exactly what you said, this community, this space, not a community. It's a community that creates this space that gives people the benefit of the doubt. And like, yeah, sometimes, like I saw this post the other day and I get it because people are angry. I understand. But it, the post was just said, fuck your intentions. And I was like, oh goodness. Like I understand, like you're angry. And I understand. And I'm like, this is in response to people who say, well, that wasn't my intent. And they're both people are being very defensive at this conversation at that point. But that last point that you hit on there is so important. And everyone listening, you know, you know, that this is a big part of my platform and what I just try to push and what I mean when I'm saying lead with light and just be kind, like give people the benefit of the doubt. I, I really feel that 
most people are just doing the best they can. And maybe their best is really fucking shitty. But I think that's where most people are operating from. And so I love this idea of, you know, step up and then step back because you probably doing the same shit that may be offending someone you had no idea. So learn what, you know, take in what you can, listen, say your part, and then take a step back and be receptive to what's, to what's out there. I love right. that. Well, and, and j- just to tack this on before we, you know, continue, um, there is a, how do I want to word this? We've gotten to a point in society where everything is polarizing mm-hmm. and where our mm-hmm. understanding of life is connected to two things, whether we're good or bad, mm-hmm. and what our political affiliation is. Mm-hmm. And what we need to be thinking about, in my opinion, is, is not, uh, not those types of things because that is addressing the symptom, mm-hmm. right? We need to attack the problem. Yeah. not the person who's speaking their mind, yeah. right? And that's really the yeah. thing is like when you start separating the belief from the person and pull that ego out of it, then suddenly a space for productive dialogue yeah. is, is present, right? You're talking about how we can come to, and that's, that's really why I love this marriage of environment and uh, Jedi work because people don't, there's still a lot of America, a lot of the world that doesn't believe in climate change, yes, right? Wow. So it's like we're going up against this wow. stuff every single day where money's being pulled away, policy's changing, resources are not available, whatever you want to say. Um, so our field is like very used to not being listened to, right? And, and we are the ones, right, as a field, as conservation professionals who are attacked. It's like those radical leftists, you know, out here shutting down the highway. And it's like, no, we're trying to (laughs) save our planet. Right. So that's, that's really the thing is like, how can we find these avenues, these lines of communication through common interests? Right. I think about people who don't believe in climate change that have kids and it's like, well, that's fine. You don't have to believe in climate change. Do you believe that you want your children to have a better future than you have, than you have had as, as your upbringing? Do you want, do you want their lives to be better than yours? Great. We agree on that, right? That's, that's how we mm-hmm. sort of work. And that's how my mind has switched. I know that not everyone approaches it that way. It takes the firebrands to say like staunchly no. Uh, those people kinds. make me angry too, yeah. right? Because yeah. it's like almost damaging yeah. to, our, to uh-huh. our progress. But it takes yeah. those people to be the, the staple yeller, right? The people like, on the soapbox. Right. I, to- I totally agree. Yep. Continuing along that, I see where we're at with time. I'm going to wrap this up soon. And um, it's gonna, this is going to lead into my next question, which is probably maybe probably my second to last question, based on my little notes here. Uh, one of the things that you know you've been saying, and I totally agree with, um, and something that I've well, well, I shouldn't say one of the things that you've been saying. One of the things that I'm feeling from what you're saying, and I'm probably feeling it because it's something that I've always been thinking um, and feeling myself is that for many people. Empathy as we traditionally know it. Not as I defined it, folks, in my podcast with James Olivia, Chu Hillman. But as we traditionally understand it, I I don't think it really exists. I think that people really need to be directly affected by something before they care. I think there are subsets of people that don't and they just have this in them. Um, Or they're more easily able to see how these things could affect them, even though it doesn't directly affect them. But... I feel like for the most part, especially when you have privilege, like you had said earlier, you just, you can't care about any of the things that you'll be worried about and be championing. And we've talked about this in the past, like every fight can't be your fight. 
but we see so often that just like unless you're directly affected by it until the world stops and suddenly your park closes and you're like oh my goodness like what about quote-unquote poor people like this could be really bad it's directing affecting me i see this now you don't really care about these things but one of the things that you've also said and i love it is that environment environmentalism is everything it's everywhere what could you what can you justin give us give me us the listeners in terms of like maybe tangible starting points for people that are just like yeah, I'm hearing this. I'm realizing that, the, and you just started saying about it before. Like, you want your, you know, your children's future to look better than yours. But in terms of like maybe a tangible st- starting point, or like even even if it's things to look at, things to read. But just where can we? What can we do? Oh gosh, that's tough. <laughs> that's tough. I mean, yeah, environment is everything. So I would say, um, first and foremost, figure out what does impact you, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do actually believe that people can be empathetic to some extent for experiences that they haven't lived. I do agree though. Like I didn't, I was like a very pull yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. kind of person until I got arrested. It was like, damn, it's pretty hard. <laughs> and I'm really white looking. Right. So like, th- it's just thinking about how my own mindset has changed. I would not have in any other circumstance cared to do green job realignment, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. through the environmental lens, unless I had it directly impact my life, right? So I would say for everyone listening, if you're interested in, in having a deeper impact and making a, sh- a bigger impact, figure out what is important to you, right? So if you love the beach, figure out what you can do at the beach, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you love camping or if you go hiking or if there's one spot in your town that you go to have your lunch twice a week, whatever, right? That's really how it starts because once you have found that avenue, it just continues to get deeper and deeper and suddenly you're in the field, yeah. right? And I've seen people who have moved over um, from these less uh, less positive fields, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Because they don't feel that they're able to contribute meaningfully. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and, and you just Absolutely. you just got to find what you're th- – so, like, you love palm trees, right? Yeah. I don't know what that would be for you, but, like, you could probably figure something <laughs> yeah, out here. Totally. California doesn't have any water. There's, like, one <laughs> drop of water the entire state. Stop using so much water. Like, that's that's really where it starts, yeah. right? It's, it's riding your bike to work, right? We have such immediate ability to contribute if we were all to turn our mind towards something. And that's that's this thing about, you know, attitude and knowledge and not – following through on the behavior like and I know this is going to like hit everyone listening how many of you have bought workout shoes and then not worked out despite knowing that you needed to right it's like that's such an easy thing you go to the store you buy your sneakers and then you look at them for weeks right until you realize that you actually like biking more than running and then you buy a bike and you're like oh this was here the whole time right it's the same thing with environmental stuff right it's like if you see that trash just start picking it up and then someone will see you picking it up right it's great. It's great. It's it's uh, leave the land better than you found it. That's that's really we move that from leave people better than you found them, which I feel is like very presumptuous anyway. Right. <laughs> like yeah. I like to leave the land better. Yeah. Than you take find take it. care of yourself. It's objective. Take like care of that. each other. Take care right. of the land. Right. We were just talking about this yesterday and and, and jumping jacks. Um, you and I were just talking about this yesterday, the jumping jacks, and this idea that. And I did a tweet about it where basically the uh, the enormity of a task is not reason enough to not do it. And, you know, on the flip side, just because you think that it won't matter doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. 
because some and something will always be more than nothing. Like you can't be like, ah, well, if I pick up that piece of trash, like it ain't going to change. You're like, but it will because now the yeah. trash is not there. Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Collective impact is really what we're shooting for right. here. And, and pick it up. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's so simple. And that's why I'm having trouble, you know, pushing out any kind of resource. I would just say like, look up whatever you want to look up related to the environment. <laughs> you can just type in like this thing, environment, and something will pop up. Um, but it's even the thing like, you know, for example, I'm sure a lot of people out there during lockdown decided like, I'm going to focus on something yes, that I need to make better exactly. during lockdown, right? Yes, so for exactly. some people it was working out. For some people it was getting a better sleep routine. For me, I needed to wash my dishes every day because I hate doing dishes and I realize it takes like 15 minutes to do them when you have a full, it's not a big deal, right? So I used lockdown to be very deliberate and intentional about when I wash my dishes and the routine mm -hmm. I set, I eat, I cook, I eat, I wash, right? Done. And then it's just like a package yeah. deal and it's out the door. As I was washing dishes, I was like, dang, I like really create a lot of dishes. And then yeah. I was like, man, that's a lot of water, mm -hmm. right? Even just soaping up your dishes. Yeah. Yeah. And turning off the water exactly. while you do that and then just rinsing them is huge. Yes. It's I love it. wildly, wildly important. If, if 10 people did that, suddenly you're talking about gallons and gallons and gallons. It makes and, a difference. And it's about food, right? Like I'm not saying don't eat meat. I'm just saying like think about where your meat comes from, mm -hmm. right? Think about where your produce comes yep. from. That was a huge thing with lockdown is food, right? If you have space in your backyard right now, it might be so too late for some of you because I don't know where you all live, but <laughs> If you live in a spot where you can still plant stuff, go outside and plant that shit tomorrow. Yeah. Like, it's going to be a nice day. Go plant it. it, and you will have lettuce and kale and whatever. And that alone, we're seeing it, right, with COVID, right? Mm -hmm. Seasonal farm workers yes. who don't have insurance, who don't get paid well, who might not have housing, who might be here, you know, undocumented, right? They're the ones who are producing our food, and we saw the meat fly off the shelves, and we saw all that. It's empty. It's wild. Right? It's fucking wild. So you can just bring that back local. Mm -hmm. really easily and and that is huge right because then you're starting to see like oh well my kale took over my garden anyone who gardens knows that kale and basil are like the two things that just like completely take over the entire space give that shit to your neighbor mm -hmm. right because that is the type of community asset sharing that will bring us into the future in a sustainable way and we were just talking about this and i want to toss it in there Lockdown, COVID, quarantine, sickness, everything going on right now has created an opportunity through a dark time for people to think really positively and creatively about what they want to do. And we're talking about silver linings, right, earlier today. And, and this is what I want to put out there for everyone is like silver linings very rarely create themselves, right? So if you see a problem in your community, if you see an opportunity in your life, figure out how you can put a solution out there. And I just want to put an anecdote out there to put this into context. There's a musician that I am, am a band that I'm really into. Um, for anyone who listens to the Grateful Dead, they did the intermission music for the 50th uh, anniversary tour that happened in 2015. So about five years now. And a wildly talented um, guitarist, Neil Casal, um, killed himself this past summer. There were two suicides in a very uh, short window within the jam community, which is in the grand scheme of festivals, right? There's like festivals mm -hmm. and then there's like Coachella and yeah, that type of stuff. Yeah. And then there's like my festival, yeah, which is like totally, yeah. a very, it's, it's more niche, right? Yes. But it was, it was deeply, profoundly impactful in, in terms of people thinking about the mental health aspects of being a touring musician, of being in a, in a community that is open, right? Which is mm -hmm. great, but like when you're open to drug use and to substance abuse and to all of these things, it's very easy to go from like having a good time to being in a bad spot. Mm -hmm. So. What 
I wanted to pull from this though is that there was there were these two really unfortunate occurrences that happened, which catalyzed a group of people within the community to create an organization that's specifically tailored towards providing mental health mm-hmm. resources mm-hmm. for musicians, mm-hmm. right? So that is one silver lining. It's like two people died and something great was was born from it. Then you factor that in, and we were just talking about this too, like the timing of how things work out and what success looks like in temporal scale. Uh, this happened before lockdown. Musicians don't make money unless they're providing shows, yeah. right? Merch does not put food on the oh. table for musicians for the most part. So this organization was created that just happened to be there in time for people who are now very much so struggling yeah. to make ends yep. meet. So it wasn't a great thing to see two people die. It was a great thing though to see how the community responded. And then that silver lining is like, it was actually good that those two people ended up, their their decisions ended up catalyzing something that in the moment Absolutely. is very, very important and could have saved other lives, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's really what I wanted to yeah. get to is like, if there's an opportunity in darkness, in light, right? If, if you see some space, take it up okay. and put yourself there because yeah. you don't know what's going to come from it until you start working towards it and, and find those people who have the similar passions because they will be your strongest advocate Absolutely. and your harshest critic. If they'll, I love having people tell me I'm being <laughs> dumb. They're like, that was a dumb suggestion. I'm like, yeah, you're right. We need that, right? We need that. But it, it helps us to build this society where opportunities for, for health and happiness and wellness are, are uh, more prominent, more apparent, and, and more easily uh, connected with. I'm sitting here smiling because uh, sometimes you know, you're like, yeah, we're related. And then you're like really proud of that person too because that was my plan on bringing the podcast full circle. We, had, like Justin said, we spoke about this before. And I was like, all right, we're going to end this talking about silver linings in the universe making no mistakes. Uh, and I didn't have to fucking even do it. Cause Justin, I thought I thought you were gonna say how we both talk with our hands. You like, should see us here, like oh, people are there know that I mean, like this is no. a given. They've seen me speak, uh, but I mean that's it. Like what I want, what I'm gonna do though is I'm gonna wrap us up. But the way I wrap us up, two questions. One, and I actually we should have discussed this before the podcast, but I didn't think about it. If you want people to contact you, because maybe you don't, and you could say don't. But if people wanted to contact you and they wanted to learn more, or just say awesome that this episode was awesome how can they do that is there a way for them to do that i would say email okay uh my personal email i don't know if you want to put it in the show yeah. notes i don't want to just like i guess i could just throw it out there yeah. but uh it's justin.p.dennis at gmail.com it'll cool. be in the the show notes i'll make shante do that but um yeah i mean i i i love connecting with people i don't know uh there might be someone if you live near camden new jersey you want to be friends like sick <laughs> i'm looking for friends always um but if, yeah, if you're looking to get into the field, if you're trying to, you know, figure out your next steps, I, I'm always willing to take time, uh, not just take time, but make time, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the thing is really about, I, we need, we need strong people. And I'm sure that a lot of people listening to this podcast are those type of people mm-hmm. that this movement needs. So even if you're just feeling kind of burnt out, like, and you just want to say <laughs> what you need to say and just like, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I, I think this is you hit the nail on the head before with um, the great pause and people like, we've seen it happen before where people have gone from like this kind of uh, de- um, 
job or whatever occupation and into this because they're like it's not fulfilling I, I went into this for this and like it's not there or, like I didn't made enough money and now I'm like I want to like actually give back and we're seeing I think an expedited version of that or a contained version of that whatever you want to call it a forced version of that with the great pause right now where people are like actually I don't want to go do that thing that I was doing and there's uh, I see that maybe there's other you know, this has been on my mind. So I think that you have really a good, really good resource for them. Also, those dots don't matter. Remember, if you folks didn't know that, if you have an email address that has periods in it, it they you've been lied to your whole life. That blew my mind. I had to send myself so many <laughs> test emails. I was I just didn't even believe you when you told me that. And here like I the am. Periods don't matter. Fucking you can put whatever you want. Google. Doesn't matter. <laughs> just, but that will be in the show notes either way. But the last question that I ask all of my guests is. Is there anything that you want to, I mean, the last thing you said was actually very profound. I'm very proud of you. Um, Thanks. But is there, I'm over here like, I'm really proud of you. It's important when Shante says She's that. She's become such a good man. I'm really proud. Well, thanks. Um, I have like, a good example. <laughs> it's been amazing watching you grow up, literally going from being like, are you going to be able to eat? And then just being like, this dude's fucking learning from you. And just being like, he was doing it right the whole time. Like, and we're all seeing that collectively as a society, we're seeing like slow down, care about the environment, care about each other, be kind, give each other the benefit of the doubt. Like what actually matters? Like not to say that money doesn't matter. Like we're not going all the way that far, but just taking, you know, taking a little bit of a different look and being like, tie dye is all right. <laughs> it's okay to wear tie dye. Uh, well, the question, the final question that I ask all the guests is, is there anything you'd like to live, leave the people with? Hmm. Well, I, I'd run it back to the, the last point I made and just say, add, to add on one thing I forgot, um, I didn't want to touch too much on my professional stuff, you know, mm. at a specific level. If, if you are out there right now trying to figure out how to implement justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion in your organization and you're having trouble, I'm not an expert, but I'm going through it right now. Yeah. And I would be really open to, to trying to help, but also thought sharing if you're going through this process too, because um, there's a lot of resistance. You know, funders, if you're in the nonprofit world, profits, if you're in the for-profit world, are really dictated by the systems that we're in, right? And um, I would just say that it takes people beating that drum incessantly and not dropping it. And that's tough if you're doing it alone. So if you're working in a position right now where you're the only person trying to do this and you just like need someone to talk to about uh, how you can work that up the chain of command, or if you've never thought about this before and are like, how did it start from the beginning? I would be totally open um, to, to speaking about that. Um, yeah, I would just say in terms of, of closing it up, you know, just uh, what we do in, in the environmental, in the urban and the community conservation world is listen for the sake of listening, not for the sake of responding, right? So that's a huge thing. And from that, you can amplify others. And, and that's really where, where we're at right now as a society think is like, we need to listen. Everyone needs to listen to those who've been speaking, to those who haven't been, and then amplify those thoughts through your existing avenues, through your existing power, your existing privilege. Just think about it, right? Um, and, and really commit to yourself, right? Because that's where the lessons come out. Uh, I mentioned like you got me a bike, but like mm -hmm. I learned so much about myself just by like working out over lockdown. Like mm -hmm. for those of you who don't know, I have some health issues. I got super fat, then I got really skinny and I got fat again. Now I'm getting skinny again. I learned a lot through that about commitment and persistence and, and dealing with 
troubling situations that put me in a position where I can better empathize with others, yeah. right? So that's really, it's not just about listening to others, it's about listening to mm-hmm. you, right? And about the, the voice that's in your own head, because that's a lot of times a really important one yeah. to listen to. Um, yes, people have been pushing it down a lot. Definitely uh, quarantine has had people have to stop, and I know that people are like, ah, mm-hmm. I need more noise, I need more people, because I don't want to listen to that right. voice. So right. that's yeah. huge. Well, and, and the last thing too is just... Uh, if you if you're thinking about this through the racial equity or just the equity lens in general, excuse me, s- spread that out, right? Because it's yes, race equity is very important. Equity overall mm-hmm. is more important, right? Mm-hmm. So like yes, black people have been systematically racially discriminated against for 400 plus years, right? There are people with um, different ability levels. There's yes, people who have one. mental health issues. Good There's one. people who um, you know, whatever it is, I don't want to continue just like tossing out yep. examples, but there's people with criminal histories. There's people, you know, there's all sorts of ways that equity can come up. And I would just say it's, it's as important to, to keep a mind out for those things because the intersectionality of health and education and crime and finances and all of that stuff is all so inextricably woven together, yeah. um, that you don't have to be good at race Right. Mm-hmm. If you're in a wheelchair right now there you go. and and you're having trouble uh, pushing changes in your organization. Right. It's the same way that you approach this Jedi stuff. It's just like you need you need help. You got to find someone who can be that champion with you because it's people that look like me and that sound like me and that talk like me. Um, I'm not saying that we're the saviors, but we have to as white looking people be there for those who don't look yeah. like us. And, and so that's sort of like if you're on either side of that coin, we all have a role to play. Um, and some of us have multiple roles, right? Like, you know, I do have a criminal history yeah. and I am white, right? So mm-hmm. I have a, a, this, this, uh, coalescence, right. Of, of things that are coming together that have been really impactful for me. And I would just ex- encourage everyone to examine the toughest times of their life because that's, that's where the magic, uh, is always coming from for me. Love it. So many things. The big thing I'm thinking is just, it's both and not either or not both and not either or I'm going to wrap this up. This was phenomenal. I was excited about this episode, and now I'm like, it's just great for me on so many levels. And I'm like, wow, look at who you've become. This is awesome. So, Umka, thank you for joining me for this. For what will be, you people listening, this is the final long episode until October. So this episode will go out on Monday, August. I got to pull a calendar up. Monday, August 3rd. And then I'm going to take a break from the long episodes until Monday, October 5th. I will be doing the short episodes in between there, but I'm just taking a little break from these longer episodes. So I think this is a phenomenal way to wrap these up. Thank you, Unka. This yeah, was right. great. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm Unka. She's Dinchy. For those who don't know, that's our, our uh, nicknames that our younger brother gave to us probably 15 years ago at this point. It's stuck. But years, yeah. yeah, I appreciate it. We've been talking about this for, for forever and tossing around different ideas about topics and uh, – I'm glad that it came up yeah. kind of organically, right? We didn't Turned have to push, nice. push there, too hard. There's no We're sitting here in our that. pajamas. I got on a maestro shirt. Yeah, I'm like right. all swagged out over here. So it's Cali life, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. This Thanks, This was Sean. awesome. You folks listening, thank you. I know you could have been doing anything or a lot of things, and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both endlessly appreciative. I am not going to ask for any subscriptions. I'm not going to ask for any likes or anything like that. I don't need to do that. If... 
you like this episode, if it resonated with you, if it, you're picking up what we're putting down, do me a solid and share it with someone who you think it could help. Super simple. All right, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Onka and Maestro, out. We out.